0: The Scottish Mortgage Podcast, Invest in Progress is back. Join the managers and their guests as they go behind the scenes of some of the most innovative companies of our time. Companies like Climeworks, who are pioneering technology to remove carbon dioxide from the air or Joby, who are at the forefront of a new era of aviation developing electric air taxis, or Aurora, who are building software so that trucks can drive themselves. Hear from the leaders of these exceptional businesses on their vision, and what the world could look like if they succeed. Available now on all major platforms, your capital is at risk.
1: Hello, my name's John Schaefer, and I'm here today with Matt Beasley, chief executive of Jupiter. Matt, thanks so much for joining me today. Pleasure. So as we sat here today, Are you happy with the condition of the business? Yes. I mean, look, this has been a challenging year for the
2: asset management industry. And very definitely, markets have been hard work this year. Investors have generally been preferring lower-risk assets, whether it's money on deposit, low-risk government bonds. It's been really hard as an active manager or indeed a passive manager to attract money into risk assets. So this year really has been about as best as I can, focusing on the things that we control um, at Jupiter, recognizing there's so many things that we don't control, which of course markets are one of those. But therefore the things that we can control, actually this year has been, yes, a year of change, but actually also a year of a big progress
1: for us. And you're a year into the CEO role, just over a year into the CEO role. It's not been an easy job to take on by, by anyone's terms. Is there anything that you might have done differently? No, I'm
2: really happy with the things that we have done. I say, we've been focusing on things that we can control ourselves. And we made some great progress, you know, with those individual things. So I think, for example, around the work we've done as regards fund rationalisation. was a programme I started a year and a half ago. You know, we've rationalised 25% of the fund range over the last year and a half. So that's taken out about 25 funds. And that's really important because it, clients are going to be able to see um, on our product shelf everything we do being truly differentiated and active. You know, that's what we as Jupiter stand for. We're an active manager. And our product shelf was a little bit cluttered with some subscale um, non-differentiated, indeed overlapping funds post amerian transactions. So, but that's been important work. We've done a lot to also make sure we've got the right cost base as well. That's important from a, obviously a shareholder return perspective. And we made some changes more recently to how we structure our client-facing teams, you know, mm. our client group, to better sharpen what it is we do and think about that, that client-customer experience in a way that's much more holistically managed. Now, these are all good things that are going to help set us up for the future, not necessarily going to be evident in
1: terms of delivery in the short term, but these are things actually that we've been focusing on that I'm glad we're focused on. Be that as it may, you've still had pretty consistent outflows, um, even during your tenure. How long can Jupiter survive in its current form? Well, you say that, but actually if you look at flows
2: for the second half of last year, they were flat. Mm -hmm. the flows in the first half of 2023 were also flat. Actually, So we had a 12-month period where flows were flat with some of the retail pressures that we've been facing offset with growth in institutional markets. They've been softer um, up to the most recently reported period for Jupiter, which was to the end of September of this year, but very much in line with the wider industry pressures that we faced. And actually, I think when you look at a rolling 12-month period, you'd find that actually our flow experience in aggregate is actually better than many of our peers. Now, not to say that we haven't had some Jupiter-specific challenges in recent years, because we have. I'd argue we've addressed those changes largely. But the pressures we face today, I would suggest actually broadly the pressures that the industry faces, which is there is this lack of interest currently in riskier assets, given the yields mm. that you can get on low-risk assets or risk-free assets. Look, at some point, that will change. And when that changes, I think Jupiter is increasingly
1: well-placed to capitalise on that potential trend. You've talked already about fund rationalisation, and obviously there have been some some job cuts across the firm. have there been any bidders for the firm on, on the back of that? Has it become more attractive to buy Jupiter?
2: Look, I clearly don't comment on you know, any market rumour or suggestion. And obviously I'd have obligations as a company mm. to announce these things were they to come to pass. I'm really focused on the organic opportunities available to Jupiter. Okay, back to me, me as a, and the management team controlling the things that we control. And our focus has been about how we take our existing very strong investment capabilities and better leverage that through current and additional and new channels, you know, new client opportunities. You know, we're wonderfully scaled here in the UK, but the opportunities for us to build more scaled businesses outside the UK are really significant. We've made really big progress in the institutional marketplace over the last four or five years. You go out to 2017, institutional assets under management were 6 7% of our assets. They're nearly 20% of mm. our assets today. That is a ringing endorsement from a lot of high-quality institutional pension funds and sovereign wealth funds and endowments that would suggest that we have true investment-grade, institutional quality investment capabilities that they want to invest in. Where we've struggled has been that wider retail marketplace. But we have some very strong performing strategies that in an environment which is less risk-averse, I believe will be relevant and useful to clients. And ultimately, I'd expect to attract your client inflow when that environment changes.
1: I wanted to, to focus on one area, you've got um, Ariel and Bezalel's bond strategy that m- make up quite a significant chunk of your assets. Um, do you think that's, that's an issue? Do you want to change that in any way?
2: Ariel and the wider team supporting him are a very high-quality fixed-income team. And while the largest fund you know, uh, here in the UK, the strategic mm-hmm. bond fund across Europe and the rest of the world, the dynam- you know, dynamic bond franchise, you know, is a well-recognised leader.
1: Um, in that particular You have still had out, significant outflows out, uh, Absolutely
2: right. and so, but I'll say below that as well alongside mm-hmm. that we have a range of other building block strategies that are equally strong and credible that are increasingly gaining momentum and gaining assets um, as well now, that strategy has struggled from a performance perspective over the last year or so it's had a positioning that has been out of kilter with the market that's not unusual if we are an active manager at times our investment management teams will have views that are different and differentiated and contradictory to underlying market consensus so i fully expect there'll be periods of all of our investment mm-hmm. strategies when they underperform but the team has done a very good job of explaining exactly why they are positioned where they are positioned. And while, yes, they've absolutely been caught up in both the malaise that has been surrounding the fixed income markets over the last two years, and also some clients have very definitely allocated away from the strategy because of that shorter-term weak performance, the long-term track record of that team um, since inception is immensely strong. I have huge confidence in their ability to over time continue to grow their asset under management given the strength of that investment expertise. Let's
1: look to the future. How are you looking to reinvent Jupiter? I mean there's probably a bit of a perception that the businesses struggled somewhat to move with the times. How are you going to Get rid of that image.
2: Yes, I'm really keen that everyone knows what Jupiter stands for. And what Jupiter is, it's an active manager. And everything we do is differentiated. So we're an active manager of differentiated investment products. What I really want is I want clients, when they're considering an active investment solution, recognising that sometimes they will prefer or want passive solutions. Mm. But when they're thinking about active investment capability, they think of Jupiter. They they want to come to Jupiter because they know that if Jupiter does it, if we do it, and we won't do everything, but if we do do it, they'll know it's A, active, and B, differentiated. And if we can stand for that, and only for that, that'll put us in a very good place, especially if the active management industry and the opportunities in active management you, know, you improve from here. And let's remember, this has been a really tough environment for the active management industry. Quantitative easing has been really challenging because it's been indiscriminate mm. in terms of how assets have been valued or indeed, in some cases, inflated back since 2008, 2010, since QE really started to gather hold across many developed markets. But look where we are today. We're probably, possibly, in an unwind of QE. You know, QE has become QT, so quantitative easing has become quantitative... Um, you are tightening mm. and with that you're seeing a lot more divergence in asset classes. You're seeing higher levels of volatility or intra-sector volatility, that's a good thing. You're seeing more dispersion, that's a good thing. And you're seeing lower levels of correlation amongst asset classes. That's creating opportunities for active managers.
1: But it, and it has been be an opportunity ahead. Particularly tough for UK asset managers as well. You're not the only one that's seen its share price struggle recently. Um, you know is there a sense that there's a need to reinvigorate UK markets. Is that something that you'd like to see? As a chief executive
2: of a UK-based asset manager, I absolutely want to see a vibrant and successful UK asset management industry based off a vibrant and you know, growing UK um, economy. Actually, I look at some of the investment that's occurring into the UK. I look at the likely change of government that will probably occur next year and the stability that that will bring, you know, the, you know, having had you know, multiple chancellors and you know, obviously multiple mm. prime ministers you know, in the UK in that post-Brexit environment as well, you know, a vibrant more balanced, um, more steady UK economy and UK regulatory framework will clearly be advantageous to a UK-based asset management company. And the UK is still a really important market for Jupiter. We talk a lot about the institutional opportunity set. We talk a lot about the international opportunity set. Jupiter is still, um, the UK is still Jupiter's largest market. It still counts for nearly two-thirds of our business. So I absolutely want to see a vibrant UK economy and asset
1: management industry. So a lot of talk of thematics, that's something that's always sort of listed in your results sort of earnings update. How core cool is that going to be to Jupiter? Yes, yeah, so I'm really excited by the thematics
2: opportunity ahead of us. It's classic Jupiter, you know, it's a category that already exists, but we're entering into it. Why? Because we think we can provide a differentiated, active-based approach mm-hmm. towards thematics. And you know, some thematic allocations haven't been Always active. You know, it has been a bit of a passive asset class in places, but using our you know, proven systematic equities team, we think we can approach thematics in a very differentiated way. Mm-hmm. And what's exciting for us is we look at thematics. It's you know, we're launching five funds. Um, you know, they'll, they'll be launched you know, very soon. Mm-hmm. Um, the combined you know, category of the five funds that we're going to be launching you know, is worth 100 billion pounds in terms of invested capital today. So the opportunity for us to get even a small slice of that and for it to be considered a a big success for Jupiter. Um, given today we start with you know, no money in those thematic
1: funds, it mm. will be a big achievement. So what's going to make Jupiter special in thematics? As you say, a lot of people already do thematics, what, what do you think they get wrong well, what, not, are you, what are you bringing to well, the table? So not
2: everyone does them in an active way, we're doing an active yep. way, and not everyone does them systematically as well. So we're using our proven systematic equities team engine, the team that's behind the very successful Global Equity Absolute Return Fund. Um, but also some other long-only regional and global funds that that team has been running for many years. And so we're using their proven investment engine, and we're simply imposing it to taking it into a thematic environment as opposed to a regional or a country or multi-regional-based environment. So it is going to be differentiated, um, and I think the combination of that team, their skills, a systematic approach and a truly active approach is going to give us a chance to do something a little
1: bit different versus our peers. We've had the news about Chrysalis this week, and obviously you're, you're cutting ties with that team. Could you explain how that relationship broke down? I wouldn't say it broke down, I'd
2: say there was a recognition from all sides that our clients, recognizing that our clients, Jupiter's clients, are largely the same as Chrysalis's clients. There's a huge overlap in those client bases. There's a recognition that our clients would be better served by a in approach. So this is very much something that we agreed we wanted to do together. We agreed that if we could solve for and deliver a solution that is better for our clients, that would be good for all of our clients. That's what we've done. So how
1: was Chrysalis not delivering for your clients?
2: Well, it's more about allowing the team to be dedicated and focused on the Chrysalis investment portfolio mm. in an environment that was solely focused on delivering and serving those Chrysalis shareholders, as opposed to being part of a wider Jupiter sure. umbrella. And in the changes that we've announced this week, it will allow the team to you know, move into a separate structure. And be solely focused on Chrysalis.
1: I mean, it, it looks like Chris has drove a pretty hard bargain there, and, and obviously, you're losing some staff as a result of this. I mean, what's the benefit for Jupiter as a result of this deal?
2: I've got a number of key strategic um, areas of focus. I mean, we talk a lot about trying to increase scale in our business, but also we'll sort of pair that with trying to decrease undue complexity in our business as well. You know, we've got a, a mindset of being relentlessly focused on efficiency and, and cost control, and certainly, Chris has brought some complexity to our business. Mm given the nature of its hybrid crossover based approach, but that's in the governance structures required around it, how we valued the assets, some of the wider support infrastructure. You know, and as Chris has observed, it just wasn't core to what it is that we wanted to do. The ability to scale that investment capability, to scale that infrastructure just wasn't there. So as a non-core asset, actually having it separately um, established in a different entity you know, helps us from a complexity perspective, helps us focus on our other active management solutions. And for the clients of Crysis, it gives them the dedicated investment team focused solely on the Crysis portfolio.
1: It's a bit of a blow to any private markets exposure that you, you may have had or wanted to have, is it not? Not
2: necessarily, no. And it goes back to the point again about being able to scale that infrastructure. So I've talked quite openly about how I think we as Jupyter should be quite thoughtful mm. about the opportunities that might or might not be present for us in the private market sphere. I mean, factually, we know that our core UK clients so that IFA, Wealth Manager sure. client, is increasingly allocating money to private markets. They tell us they want to also, in the future, allocate more money to private markets. Therefore, we as Jupiter have to decide whether we want to accept that our addressable market will shrink or whether we want to find ways of potentially being able to offer some of those private market solutions. That's something that we're still thinking about in a very deep and thoughtful way, but Christus was not the way to
1: do that. And so it's just predominantly the trust structure maybe wasn't the right one to, to scale in private markets. It well, it's not so much
2: about investment trusts, because actually I
1: think investment trusts are quite a neat
2: solution for private markets, yeah. certainly here in the UK. It was more about the wider infrastructure that went around that. And well, this is where private markets are both interesting and challenging, because some of that infrastructure required is quite bespoke to individual private market assets class. It's not like running, for example, a Japanese equities and a global equities strategy side by side, where they would leverage the same fund accounting structure, the same dealing system, the same dealing team. If you put, say, a crossover um, equities capability in the form of Chrysalis alongside, say, a private loan capability, those things require very different Hmm. accounting and operational and support infrastructure alongside them. And so, Chrisus was never really going to be a platform for us to build a private markets business. That's why we saw it as non core. And that's also
1: why the changes we've made, I think, are in the best interest of our clients and the Crisis client um, group, um, too. When did you start having your doubts about Crisis? Is this when you came into the fold as CEO? It's not about doubts about Crisis.
2: It was more about recognizing that while that team is highly skilled and the solution they're providing in the form of that investment trust is clearly very relevant and appropriate and attractive to a great many clients,
1: I just don't think it sat best inside Jupiter. When we spoke last, you you, you said that you were looking at private markets, but you'd need a partner. Could uh, Richard Watts' new team be that partner? Could you, in the future, be teaming up with Chrysalis in its new form again? Well, who knows what's ahead in in the future? I think when I was talking about a
2: partner, I was thinking more likely about a private markets manufacturer, so to speak, that had multiple investment capabilities, where potentially our client-facing needs and infrastructure and knowledge might be complementary and supplemental to what it is yeah. that they might have as a, a niche or a more narrowly defined uh, private markets manufacturer. We're thinking about what that might look like, and I say as Jupiter, I want us to be quite deliberate about what this might be. And it could be that we decide not to do anything here, but at the same time, I want us to recognise that this is a potential threat, and with that threat, it becomes a potential opportunity sure. And it could be that there's something we could do to the benefit of our client base.
1: Are you further along down that road since speaking about this a couple of months ago about sort of looking at the idea of private markets? Very definitely. And
2: look, the knowledge levels around and inside our business have increased substantially because we've spent a lot of time learning about the marketplace, meeting with potential partners and competitors, and just understanding
1: the asset class in a way that perhaps we didn't do, you know, a year, year and a half ago. Just harking back to, to Crystal's one more time, um, you've got stakes in the trust in a couple of other funds, albeit smaller than they were? Will they continue or will they be sold down? Yeah, look, that's not a decision for me as the Chief
2: Executive. That'll be a decision for the investment management teams that own those Chrysalis shares. And I'd imagine, you know, as they have done already and they will do ongoing, they'll be making the decision dependent on the other investment opportunities that present themselves within their wider investment
1: universe. And what about the future for the UK mid-cap fund that Richard Watts was was managing? Yeah, so Richard was
2: running that fund with James Gilbert. They were co-managers on that fund. James is staying with Jupiter, Mm. and James is going to be joined by Tim Service, one of the more senior members of the UK small and mid-cap team, and they'll run that fund together in a co-manager structure.
1: Another hire, um, Adrian Gosden and uh, Chris Williamson joined in January from GAM, uh, along with their fund. um, Does that somewhat fill a hole that that Richard Watts and Nick Williamson are sort of leaving? I appreciate they're in a slightly different area being um, UK equity income, but but I suppose it sort of cements your uh, dedication to UK equities there. Look,
2: I'm really excited by the fact that Adrian um, Golston and uh, Chris Morrison are going to be joining us um, in January. They are two highly respected UK equity income managers. We've already got a large... Yeah, equity income book of business you know, in bringing our book of business together with the GAM UK equity you know, income book of business we think we're going to have an opportunity to create one of the largest books mm. of assets in UK equity income it's a really important large category for investors here in the UK and we think with Adrian and Chris's investment management skill they're also their client facing acumen you know, we think we, they're going to be great for us and you know, really look excited by the opportunities that they'll bring in terms of their hunger to build a larger UK to an income book
1: here at Jupiter. Obviously, um, GAM has, has had its own troubles. Do you think that that, that tumultuous period for them it made, made it easier to convince them to, to come over to Jupiter? Well, It's not fair for me to comment on GAM. What I would say is that you know, I mean, Adrian and Chris are you know, two strong,
2: very, very strong investors. Mm. That they've chosen to come and work at Jupiter, I think, says a lot about Jupiter. Mm. It says a lot about the brand that we have. It says a lot about the client relationships that we have. It says a lot about the support infrastructure you know, that we have as well. Um, so, looks to me, you know, if there's a message here. It's that you know, we as Jupiter want to bring in, want to attract, want to retain great investment management talent. And I hope that Chris and Adrian are the first of many new hires in the coming you know, in months and years that will you know, see that Jupiter is a great place for,
1: for them to work. But, I mean, someone might say that it's a bit of a, a curious hire, in, in a sense, sort of focusing on, on UK equity income when we're looking at perhaps more growthy areas like thematics or maybe down the line, pri- private markets. Does it seem sort of somewhat out of kilter with a, with a reinvention story?
2: No, I don't think there's any either or conversation here. So that's where we started. You know, Jupiter has a very large presence here in the UK. The UK is a really important market to us. You know, the hiring of Adrian and Chris reinforces, I hope in externalised as well as in our internal focus on this market, a really important market for us. Alongside that, we have ambitions to build our business outside the UK. And we talk about Italy, actually, and Germany Mm. as two markets that we're more focused on than others. And we've been doing things internally and externally to bring those two markets into sharper focus. And, of course, on other investment management capability, we think we've got large opportunities to grow many of our current investment management products and capabilities. But over time, there'll be new things we choose to do as well. And I don't think we have to make choices between these things. We can afford to do many of these things to take Jupiter forward from this point.
1: We want to follow on on, on sort of that, that push into to Germany and Italy, and, and you've got this new focus on attracting institutional clients. You mentioned earlier how those assets had grown. Um, what do you need to do to expand more in that area? On the institutional side, so I mean, institutional is a place where we have added a significant
2: amount of resource. You know, we have a large number of people now that are purely dedicated to that institutional business. That's allowing us to have more opportunities to prospect with new clients. It's making our onboarding process more effective and efficient. It's also allowing for our client reporting and servicing to also be more effective um, as well. And that's building credibility with large sovereign wealth funds, pension funds, endowments, consultant-driven DC clients as well. And really encouraging for us, it's from a wide range of geographies. And there's a benefit here because when you you engage with a a large um, institutional client, they, too, are thinking about their scale and leveraging their due diligence and their investment knowledge. And so they get comfortable yeah. with you with one investment capability, and typically they then want to see what else it is that you do that might be relevant and useful elsewhere within their portfolio. And so we're in that place where we're starting to build some momentum, where your client assets are starting to beget client assets. We're starting to build deeper relationships with certain of these institutional clients. And while I'm really proud of the progress we've made in building out our institutional business, it's now say 18 percent mm. of our standard management, it can go a lot higher. And I'm very optimistic both about the pipeline that we currently have, but also the pipeline that we're building in the, in the institutional space.
1: And this is also sort of looped into the, the idea of the client group, isn't it? The, the, this element of, of the business. Um, and, and you've mentioned before that distribution will be more tech-driven. Could you explain this a little bit more? One of um, my CEO
2: peers made the comment that distribution is what you do to electricity. And I I, I like that phrase Mm. a lot because it does suggest an element of Um, And distributing, you're you're throwing things out to the marketplace. That's not how I think we should be thoughtfully interacting with our clients. It's not so much a sales process, it's much more of a buying process. We're there to facilitate and aid and assist in a buying process. And to help clients in that buying process, we need to be a lot more thoughtful in understanding their needs understanding the data and the analytics they need to understand what it is they might be getting from us. So does
1: that mean sort of very bespoke products and for that each? Means, end- w-
2: whether it's bespoke products or just bespoke methods of delivery, mm-hmm. the way in which they access that investment insight, the wrapper or the structure, but also the reporting that goes around that, the servicing that they need. All these things, if they're going to be truly scalable and efficient in their delivery, absolutely need to be more tech enabled. Yep. And so we've spoken about, yes, that changed having a client group with a dedicated part of the group focused on client relationships and the other half of the group focused on that holistic client experience but to deliver that we need to have technology embedded much more fully and holistically across every aspect of that client experience and we're investing
1: in that. You've had some pretty senior exits in in the client group as well, you've had Warren Tonkins um, leaving the firm um, should we expect more consolidation or expansion on the other on the other end? No, I think we've got the team, broadly got the team in place that we want now.
2: So we've moved away from having a, so a distribution structure with an individual owning the, the, the breadth of the distribution team so to having a client group with two co-heads. So one focused on those relationships and one's focusing on the client experience on an end-to-end basis. If this is not about people per se. This is about a different way of facing off to our clients. It's about recognising that our clients, whether... Retail, wealth, IFA, institutional, UK or European or Asian have different needs from us. Our clients become a lot more sophisticated, a lot more demanding in terms of what it is they want. We also know that there's more money concentrated in the hands of fewer clients. They have more power as well. And therefore, we need to set ourselves up differently to service those changing and evolving client needs. And that's what's behind the change in our client group. And technology absolutely is going to be crucial delivering that in an efficient and effective
1: way. And since you've been CEO, what do these institutional clients really want? Well, I know it's going to be different dependent on on the group that you're talking to, but what's the sort of trend being towards?
2: Yeah, so I think actually more broadly, clients full stop, you use the word solutions. I think five, 10 years ago, a solution meant trying to solve for a CPI plus type outcome. Mm with some kind of mixed asset portfolio to deliver that with appropriate volatility. When a client talks about a solution today, yes, they're thinking about investment outcome, but they're also thinking about everything else that goes with it. They're thinking about the package that the investment capability is delivered in. They're, talking, they're thinking about the servicing and the reporting that they want from you. They're thinking about how they get, perhaps on a real-time basis or on a T-plus-1 basis, data analytics and information on their portfolio on demand. So a solution is much more holistic than it used to be. And that's why it requires a very different approach towards client engagement and client experience. Excellent.
1: Well, Matt, thanks so much for joining me today.
2: Thank you.
0: The Scottish Mortgage Podcast, Invest in Progress, is back. Join the managers and their guests as they go behind the scenes of some of the most innovative companies of our time. Companies like Climeworks, who are pioneering technology to remove carbon dioxide from the air. Or Joby, who are at the forefront of a new era of aviation developing electric air taxis. Or Aurora, who are building software so that trucks can drive themselves. Hear from the leaders of these exceptional businesses on their vision and what the world could look like if they succeed. Available now on all major platforms. Your capital is at risk.